Welcome to CoreCentric Conversations, the podcast dedicated to sharing stories of procurement and finance transformation. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of CoreCentric Conversations on the importance of holistic cash forecasting. I'm Kelly Varner, and I'll be your host today. Now, I'm being rejoined by Fritz Smith, Chief Revenue Officer at CoreCentric. He is a seasoned technology sales and marketing executive with over 25 years of experience. Having impacted both small and large complex sales organizations across the Americas, Asia-Pacific, EMEA, and Canada, Fritz's assignments have been versatile and varied from early stage to Fortune 50. So, hi, Fritz, and welcome back. Thanks, Kelly. Good to be back. Now, in our last conversation, we spoke about the study that CoreCentric recently commissioned from Forrester Consulting about holistic cash forecasting. We covered some basics about what it means, how it compares to the realistic visibility most companies probably have access to today, and what role automation and technology might be able to play in helping companies achieve a holistic forecast. So we've covered the basics, and if you're discovering this episode and didn't listen to that one yet, I definitely recommend going back and listening to that as well. But since we have a little bit more of your time, I'd like to dig in deeper and actually apply what we learned in the basics. Now, according to that study on beh- commissioned on behalf of CoreCentric, customer experience is the top focus of financial teams this year. I mean, that is really interesting. So we're looking at financial teams, and they were given a whole list of things that they could say what topped their priorities. Now, we know increasing revenues was in that choice list, as well as becoming more insight-driven, and customer experience beat them both out. What do you think about that, and how can holistic cash forecasting support that objective? That's a great uh a great opening question for me. Well, when you think about customer experience, <clears throat> it's um, much easier to uh, keep a customer you already have than go acquire a new customer. I believe statistically it's 6x as difficult to get a new customer as it is to really delight an existing customer. So with respect to uh, understanding how cash forecasting fits into the customer experience, having insights into um, servicing your customers in a way that you haven't been able to before through a level of touch uh, and extension uh, of your own organization into that customer organization is, in fact, a true differentiator in the marketplace today. And those customers that have been serviced in that fashion and those companies that have uh, broke the code on how to do that are ones that are finding that um, uh, the retention as well as uh, the lack of attrition is is evident. Uh, I think it's important to realize that uh, delighting a customer and staying in touch with your customer through delight and measuring that delight is is something that oftentimes is not uh, part of who a company may express itself to be in terms of its traditional products, but really integrating that into an aspect of the culture of the the company itself. Now, we're talking about this in the context of certainly there's internal customers, but then there's also the external customers that a company serves. And this survey was based on finance teams. 
But I imagine you and the rest of the team at CoreCentric are also learning from these results and trying to emphasize customer experience as well. Can you talk to me a little bit about the customer care philosophy that's in place at CoreCentric? Yeah, I sure can. Um, We really look at uh, four principal elements that make up uh, the way in which we, we go to market. Firstly, there's the whole notion of the sale itself. So selling to a given customer, uh, but there's also the ability for our team to deploy the solution the customer has uh, purchased from us, uh, delight them, and then finally sustain and support them. And that philosophy of FDDS, which is really all about the sale itself, uh, the deployment, the delight of the customer, and the sustainment of that customer is really integral in the way we operate as a team. Principally because when you're delighting a customer, they'll share more with you about what their needs are uh, through the renewal process, as well as conducting quarterly business reviews to understand some of the issues the customer may be having with respect to their business at large and how we may be able to assist them looking at that full holistic picture we talked about in our last session. Now, given the complexity of being successful today, Innovation is another one of those objectives that always tops everybody's list. What opportunities for innovation would you say are open to companies that take the step and embrace holistic cash forecasting? Yeah, again, another very good question. Uh, we, we tend to look at the waves of innovation that we need to be working through as a company ourselves and how we can take new modalities, as mentioned in the last session, artificial intelligence, for example, and finding ways to improve and take cost out of the way in which we're delivering our solution and then passing those cost savings back to our customers through levels of operational efficiency. So uh, interesting the way in which AI has now found itself more and more into the mainstream. We all experience uh, tools like Siri and uh, Alexa, and we know how Uh, Those technologies have found into our consumer worlds, but also uh, being able to look at those kinds of technologies and and apply them to the way in which we are removing costs from the way we deliver our services and passing that benefit on to our customers. Well, and speaking of application, one of the other interesting data points that came out of the Forrester survey was that 97% of respondents see smarter decision-making as the top benefit of holistic cash forecasting. Can you maybe give us a couple of specific examples of what that smarter decision-making actually looks like in practice? Uh, Another great question, Kelly. Uh, Sure. As we talked about in the last session, uh, having good, clean data that's available on demand that will enable a particular customer to make a decision is is probably the most important uh, aspect of smarter decision-making there is. So that's to say that um, to to err is human, but to really mess something up requires a computer is an old adage. And that goes to the fact that if the, 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 the manual processes that are being automated aren't clean and efficient, when bringing automation to the table, you're going to further make things complicated. So it really gets back to some of the points we talked about earlier, which is ensuring that you've got uh, data that's referenceable, timely and accurate, so that when a decision needs to get made about a particular state of a, a customer 
And that customer's customer, for that matter, uh, that information is readily available, and there's confidence around uh, the ability for the executive or the operational team to take action on it. Well, and it's interesting because we've talked in a number of different ways and angles around the incentives and benefits to move into holistic cash forecasting, right? We've talked about what it allows you to do, how it improves internal processes. We've talked about the fact that it's easier and there are less obstacles associated with it than people might think. But can we look at it another way? Are there things that companies should potentially be concerned about or be on the lookout for if they make the decision not to pursue holistic cash forecasting? Yeah, boy, that's a that's a really good question. I would say it in this way. When you've got a good handle on your overall cash forecasting strategy from a holistic perspective, uh, you will find yourself in a situation where that you don't necessarily need um, to, to look externally, but uh, find, uh, if you will, the mountain of coins that may sit inside the couch cushions that you don't know about. So it's really unnecessarily uh, changing uh, potentially your debt position that you wouldn't necessarily need to do if you realize through this holistic picture we're talking through that much of that uh, cash is available and in, in, intrinsic to the company. And the term I like to use is really creating and making the invisible visible to the organization. And those folks that can gain that visibility into their catch position and forecast accordingly are ones that will differentiate themselves against those that don't know how to do that. So it really becomes uh, a matter of uh, operating in a with an unfair advantage competitively in the marketplace. And I like your point about making the invisible visible, right? Because everything has been so disrupted for the last couple of years, and, and certainly that is showing no signs of slowing. So what it really sounds like is an opportunity to become more resilient simply by becoming more aware. In fact, this is probably a less disruptive way in in some sense for companies to actually better leverage their cash. Is, is that a fair way to put it? I would say so. <clears throat> Additionally, um, when you see what we've been through for the last couple of years in this age of COVID, uh, think about all of the folks that had to go into the office to print checks or pick up checks and those that have a good handle on their process automation and recognizing they can operate very efficiently in a remote fashion are, are many of the businesses and industries that have survived and, and I would say strived through uh, this unusual time that we're going through. Uh, those that have been harbored by those very traditional back office procedures and modalities uh, are ones that have found themselves in a place that's very difficult for them to compete because they're not servicing their customers as efficiently and effectively as they could, let alone their employees. Well, and I think your point about the checks is a very valid one because there were many companies that truly believed they had digitally transformed all of these processes only to find out that there was maybe a little bit more manual hand-to-hand -hand or sausage-making going on in reality in order to connect all of this, to your point exactly about people having to show up and pick up checks. And so for companies that have learned that maybe they're a little bit less digitally transformed or a little bit 
less digitally integrated from a process standpoint than they thought, this might be an excellent place to start investing some time and energy. Indeed. Yeah, I think that's uh, when we talk about the three pillars of uh, the overall uh, cycle, if you will, from source to settle, clearly in the middle is method of payment. And if you are paying a bunch of your vendors by check, uh, a lot of companies that took on that manual process suffered uh, during this time. And those that had an electronic means of servicing their vendor community are ones that, uh, again, as I mentioned earlier, operated with uh, greater efficiency. Well, Fritz, this has been an exceptionally interesting pair of conversations. Thank you so much for joining me and sharing your insight and expertise around holistic cash forecasting. It's been my pleasure, Kelly, and I appreciate your time today. And thank you. Stay healthy. And I would also like to thank everyone who listened in just to today's portion or for both segments of this conversation. Tune into our next CoreCentric conversation for more insight into the topics of most importance to spend management professionals. Until next time. Thanks for joining this CoreCentric conversation, the podcast dedicated to sharing stories of procurement and finance transformation. We hope you found our discussion useful. With each episode, it's our goal to give you insight on how to lead change your organization. Get started by visiting us at corecentric.com. That's C-O-R-C-E-N-T-R-I-C dot com.